Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. He's been here. been there. Magic down the middle, just what I thought. A hook shot at 12. Good! He's been everywhere. Shot from there and a save and a rebound. Score! Yes! Kings win the cup! Sobel. That's one small step for man. Ted Sobel. One giant leap for man. The man, the myth, the legend. What the hell's going on out here? Now, one-on-one with Ted Sobel. Actually, one-on-two today. It's time for some fun here as we get the debut show underway. And welcome to my Touching Greatness podcast here on the B-Lead Podcast Network. I am Ted Sobel, longtime radio sports reporter in Los Angeles for such storied stations as KFWB, KNX, and KMPC. And for the past 13 years, I've been a part of the Sports USA Radio Network football broadcast, including our Sunday NFL doubleheaders and college games of the week. I'm also writing my first book, Yes, called Touching Greatness, about my decades of being in this crazy business, including covering numerous Super Bowls, World Series, NBA and NHL championships, NCAA National Football and basketball title games, all four golf majors, U.S. Tennis Opens and Wimbledon, and a whole lot more. I've covered and seen it all, and the Believe Network is giving me the opportunity to share my many interviews and experiences, new and old, with you all. So let's have some fun and get this Touching Greatness debut show underway. Since we're recording this on the Monday before the start of the 2019 baseball season, a perfect way to celebrate that, and we're having a couple of old friends as my first guest. The PA duo in all of baseball, the most familiar public address announcers for the two most storied franchises in the game. Your attention, please, ladies and gentlemen. Now talking, Ted Sobel. Paul Olden, the voice of Yankee Stadium for the last 11 years, and Todd Lights, ready to start his fifth season, the voice of Dodger Stadium. Guys, it's a kick to do this. Thanks for coming on. My pleasure. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. So, first of all, Olden has just arrived in New York, and uh, what's the weather looking like for our openers? Uh, very good. Uh, Mid-50s, uh, sunny. That is good. I'm in L.A. here with Todd Lights, and Todd, of course, it's always 72 and perfect, right? Yeah, what do you think the weather's going to be like on Thursday? It's going to be beautiful, Teddy, and I just was outside growing up a, a pork tenderloin, so it's barbecue weather out here, Paul. Um, <laughs> how's the weather back there right now? Uh, a little chilly. Uh, temperatures are, I think, somewhere in the mid to low 40s with a little bit of a breeze, so... Uh, my running tonight will be done on the treadmill downstairs. At least we don't have snow. That was uh, that was our problem last year for the open air. It got snowed out. But uh, snow is nowhere near us as far as I can tell. Yeah, when to Todd and I, when it's chilly, that means we make chilly and it's hot and it's good. So <laughs> I don't know what you're doing back there in New York. Guys, let's talk about the start of your careers as PA announcers. Let's start with Paul first, since you've been doing it a lot longer. I was there when you got the call from the Yankees, but what's that transition been like? And obviously, your situation is different than anybody else's because you took over for a legend. Well, I, I followed uh, Bob Shepard, not immediately, because right. his final year was 2008, and I didn't start until 2009. Uh, I'm sorry, his final year was 2007, and they had a, a series of substitutes in 2008. Uh, so I came in 
with the new stadium in 2009. Uh, they wanted to have a singular, uh, steady voice. And, and also, I think also in the back of their minds, they wanted to get someone who was already familiar to the New York audience. And since I had done Jets play-by-play and Yankees play-by-play and WFAN sports updates in the 90s, uh, I was the perfect candidate uh, in that regard to make a return to New York. And Todd Lights, the Dodgers' voice, is one of those things where, is this what you said at one time is your entire dream job? Well, it never was my dream job growing up, but uh, there came a certain point in my life when I said, hey, that would be really fun to do. And then when an opportunity came up with the San Diego Padres to audition, kind of like a a cattle call, American Idol-style audition (laughs) process that they did in 2014, uh, I said to my wife, I'm going down there and I'm going to give it a shot. So I went down there and uh, went through like almost three and a half months of auditions where they kept whittling it down from the original thousands of people who came out to the final three. And uh, I was, well, I was number two, unfortunately, and I was very disappointed. But uh, the next year, the Dodgers kind of came calling, and the job almost fell into my lap. And I was ready for it because I had uh, called several major league ball games for the Padres during the audition process. So I was ready, and it was just kind of one of those things when, I guess when it's meant to be, it just kind of happens, and it's easy, you know? So it was... uh, it was a dream come true, and uh, I couldn't be happier. And I'm in my fifth season coming up here, and, uh, man, we got to win a World Series, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I lucked out. My first year with the Yankees, 2009, uh, the team won the World Series, and I was uh, uh, awarded a ring uh, along with the players and the front office personnel. So that's one of my proudest moments. I hadn't had a championship ring since 86 when I was with uh, Larry Boa, when he managed the AAA Las Vegas, then the AAA Las Vegas Stars, uh, and I didn't figure it would take me that long to get back to uh, the championship level, but it did. Yeah, that's the nature of that beast, isn't it? There aren't too many championship rings to go around for any of us. I I think it's really interesting, though, that Todd's a New Englander and Paul is a Los Angelino, and you guys end up on the opposite coast. Well, I always say I'm a good Westerner. I'm born in Chicago and then moved to L.A. when I was four. Uh, So I still say when somebody says, well, what's your hometown? I still say Chicago, but then I add what I, but I grew up in L.A. How about you, though, Todd? You grew up, you you being a Bostonian, though, I mean, you're not supposed to even be allowed to work on the air here in L.A. You know that. (laughs) Well, I left, I left New England when I was 12. Okay, you're off the hook. Since 1985, so what? What is that? 34 plus years. That's enough. So um, I'm an Angelino. Okay. All right, and I'm a Dodgers guy. <laughs> I could see him in a. Can, can you see him? Yeah, yeah. Could you see him ball at a Lakers Celtics game? <laughs> well, I did. Growing up in LA, I, uh, I became uh, an Angelino in the sense that you know I worked at Dodger Stadium uh, selling programs and and the. Uh, in the late 60s, early 70s. Uh, so I kind of, and that's where I first kind of cut my teeth with Ted doing play-by-play in the stands at Dodger Stadium. So I have a long history at that ballpark, uh, and it was a big thrill for me to do an actual game there when I worked for ESPN uh, to be in the stadium. And I worked with Jerry Royce a few times, so that was always fun to have that Dodger connection. Uh, and to this day, of course, I still 
if the Dodgers are in the World Series uh, or in postseason and the Yankees are already eliminated, I wear my Dodger cap while I'm <laughs> sitting back at home in Florida watching on TV. That a boy. Todd, how long did it take for you to become a Los Angeles sports fan? Was it something you just knew you were going to be living here? Because I know you moved more to the Bay Area in Northern California than you did down here at the start, right? Yes, but let's be clear. Okay. I never, ever, <laughs> ever was a Giants fan. <laughs> did you hear that ever? I did not. Yes. I did not like Candlestick Park. It was too cold, even in July. Yes, it is. It was nasty. Uh, I, I remember seeing Dave Parker from the Pirates smoking a cigarette in the bullpen <laughs> at Candlestick Park, and it, it just destroyed all of my visions of uh, baseball grandeur at the moment. And I was a teenager <laughs> at the time, and I just I couldn't believe a baseball player would sit there and smoke a cigarette in plain view of the crowd. Um, so never, ever, ever a Giants <laughs> fan. So you were but, a uh, still a Boston sports fan, though, until you moved to Southern California, I would assume? Yeah, you know, and I was happy when the the Red Sox won the World Series and finally uh, finally broke the curse of the Bambino back in 2004. Yeah. I growing up, I used to be effing Yankees, you know. And last year, did you hear that, Paul? Was, oh yeah. Okay, I'm just checking. Sorry, Paul. Sorry, Paul. But last year, it was effing Red Sox. <laughs> they, they came in and they kicked the Dodgers' butt in the World Series, and it was uh, it was a sad moment. But uh, uh, I, I think the Dodgers are due. Obviously, uh, you feel deep inside now. You're Dodger blue because you work for them. But was there a little bit of you that still says, well, if we had to lose to somebody, at least it was my other favorite team? It was the tiniest little shred, <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> Just checking. <laughs> yes. All right. Good question, though. How about the fact that all three of us worked at KNX Radio in Los Angeles? Talk about some of those days where you were the news anchor, Todd, and Paul was the sports guy. Yeah, those were great days. And working on the weekends at KNX was fantastic because we didn't have to run all the commercials that you have to run during you know morning drive and afternoon drive and the weekdays and stuff. And so we had, it was like, it was almost like freeform radio. We just had time to really put some, some content out there. And yeah. uh, I, I loved working with Paul. I loved working with the late Barry Turnbull. Yeah. Um, and uh, those those were just those were just wonderful days. It was just a privilege to work at Columbia Square on Sunset Boulevard in Los Angeles with all the history and the ghosts and the and the <laughs> trophies that that lined the hallways there. It was a very heady atmosphere in that place, and uh, I feel privileged to have been a part of it. And, and, and you know, really enjoyed working with Paul. He was just the consummate professional. Wow. Now, we have a luxury of time, too, because they gave us four, five, six minutes to do sports. Uh, and that, as you know, in radio these days is a rarity. Uh, it's uh, dead. It's, it's not a rarity. Favorite. It's dead. <laughs> if, in fact, uh, you even get that, um, even if you get a sports segment sometimes, right. it's a rarity now. How about working in that uh, CBS building, the old one on Sunset Boulevard, Todd? It was not only historic, but they said there used to be ghosts. You'd think you would see Jack Benny walking down the hall. It really was as historic as any radio building ever. Yes, and growing up in New England, you know, we, we lived on ghost stories back there. Because, uh, <laughs> you, and, and so to work in a building that was so storied and so historic and, and so haunted was, was, a, it was really fun for me. And I'm, I'll never forget the first day that I did a live 
report as a reporter yep. in studio at KNX, I, I immediately ran into the bathroom and threw up uh, before, wow. right before I went on the air. Um, and I, I, I think somehow I got, uh, I walked through a, a, a ghost or something at the, uh, you know, in the hallway or something that made me, that made me nauseous. <laughs> the only thing I found I heard right. about, about the old studio there on the, at Columbia Square was the fact that we were still using reel-to-reel tape and had to edit <laughs> yeah. our reports with a razor blade. I was just at yeah. the outset of, of making the transition to digital, uh, and you still had to do some of the old-time stuff. Uh, fortunately, uh, Ted and I learned quite a bit of that at uh, Los Angeles City College yes. in the early 70s, and it stayed with me. How about you, Paul, walking down the halls there for the first few times? Were you caught up in, obviously, being a local guy, looking at where all the old radio shows were made and, and seeing all the, the statues and the, and the uh, awards on the walls there? Well, I, I, I didn't get caught up in the mystique of the history of the station. Uh, I was happy to be employed. Uh, <laughs> fortunately, I, I knew someone. Uh, uh, Stephanie Roberts, who was a reporter, anchor there at KNX. She and I worked together in Las Vegas. Uh, and it was at uh, her urging that I uh, applied for a weekend sports position uh, because I guess the previous uh, candidates weren't uh, meeting the standards that they had uh, established. And so uh, she said, hey, I know a guy. And, and they called me. And, and fortunately, after my uh, brief audition, and I did have to audition, I got the spot. You're listening to Touching Greatness podcast here on the Believe Network. And our guest today for the debut show, Yankees voice of the stadium for 11 seasons, Paul Olden. And now in his fifth season at Dodger Stadium, PA announcer Todd Lights. Todd, you went to University of California at San Diego. When you were there, were you thinking, I've got a reasonable chance to get into this business? Well, um, first of all, I, you know, when I first moved to California, um, my father, who was in advertising, got a job in, in San Francisco and moved us all out to the West Coast. And we were excited to California, here I come and everything. But we thought it was all going to be looking like, you know, beaches and sunshine and all this stuff. And we moved to Northern California, where it rained a lot yeah. and where it was cold and where the ocean was freezing cold. And we were like, wait, wait a minute. What is this? What is this? It's beautiful <laughs> up there. No question about it. But as soon as I had a chance to get down to Southern California, that's where I headed. That's why I went to UCSD. And I really wasn't thinking about a career in um, broadcasting, per se, although I was a political science major, communications minor. Um, I was I was more of an actor at the time, and, and really that's still what I do to this day. I'm a voice actor. and In fact, I'm celebrating tonight because I just – booked a national commercial for Liberty Mutual Insurance. Of good for you. That's yeah, awesome. Just, Congratulations. So, uh, that's really that's good. Now we know where to go for our next loan. That's really nice. Paul, <laughs> L.A. City College, obviously I know your story. Tell the people what it was like there and the reasons you went there and what you got out of it. Well, the, the chief reason I went there is because uh, I, I had designs on going to USC, uh, uh, but at, a year before I graduated from high school. Uh, the University of Southern California changed its whole student-involved uh, radio uh, system to become a public uh, radio affiliate, uh, and they stopped broadcasting all of their student sports, uh, which was what I wanted to do. You know, they have football, basketball, baseball, and the students were involved in broadcasting the games. Uh, I had uh, done 
uh, several years of PA announcing at USC baseball uh, and actually got onto the air as a broadcaster, although I wasn't a student there because I was always around the campus practicing my announcing uh, one way or the other, either in the stand doing play-by-play or actually being the PA announcer for Rod Dato's clubs. Uh, so when USC changed its uh, whole outlook on student-involved radio, I decided it probably would be better off and it's certainly a lot less expensive uh, to go to L.A. City College, which has uh, a extensive broadcasting curriculum, including studios. You're listening to the podcast debut of Touching Greatness here on the Believe Network. And Paul Olden, Yankees voice of the stadium. How about just the fact that you never got the chance to introduce Derek Jeter? Tell the story behind that. Well, I, I introduced him in spring training, okay. which was enough for me. <laughs> <laughs> and I accidentally introduced him once during a regular season game, which followed the uh, opening day, followed the final spring training game in Florida. Oh. Uh, and I was still in spring training mode and just automatically introduced him uh, and was reminded immediately that I wasn't supposed to do that. <laughs> by him or by management? Uh, by management. Okay. <laughs> uh, uh, I don't. I don't think he noticed it. He never said anything about it. Uh, but it was uh, obviously a a tradition that uh, he uh, requested that Bob Shepard, the former longtime PA announcer at, at Yankee Stadium, the late Bob Shepard, who did it for 57 years, uh, introduce him, and they used a recorded uh, version of his introduction whenever Derek came up to home plate. And so before they had a chance to push the button, <laughs> I went ahead and introduced him, uh, which led to a brief uh, discussion with my director uh, and something I never did again until the following spring training. And that was Derek Jeter's way of honoring Shepard, is that right? Yeah, that was his way uh, of saying he wanted to have a kind of continuity throughout his entire career. Uh, and Bob's voice was still used. Uh, at the stadium uh, to introduce Old Timers Day. You know, they were able to cobble together uh, some uh, introductions and make it into one cohesive unit uh, to introduce uh, Old Timers Day at Yankee Stadium, and he still does that, or we still use his voice, I should say. What about you, Todd Lights? What What is really fun for you to introduce? Is it some of the old timers when they come in? Obviously, the Vin Scullys of the world when you need to do that. Yes, I mean, that. And, and for the Dodgers, there are so, like the Yankees, there are so many legends. And in fact, uh, they don't call it the old timers game at Dodger Stadium. They call it the legends game or the uh, alumni game or something like that, because a lot of those guys bristle at being called old timers. <laughs> but, um, but that's always a really fun one. In fact, Vin used to do it, um, and he would, he would kind of do it PA style and, and introduce everybody. But, but once Vin retired, they let me do it, and that's always been a thrill because I watched these guys growing up, and and boy, those great teams of the '70s and and the '60s. Uh, so it's so great to see some of those guys around. And Sandy Koufax is always at the ballpark, and and guys like Garvey and Say and Bill Russell, and uh, you know Dusty Baker comes out every once in a while, and so it's it's just it's just a thrill to see the continuity in, in these great organizations who who really have learned how to honor. Uh, the men that that have given so much to the fans over the years, and it's that's that's just truly an honor. Um, but I have to tell you, my favorite person to announce was always Yasiel Puig. Oh, um, really? There was something 
you know, there was something about the way his name rolled out of my mouth <laughs> and the way the fans reacted to it that it, it just it was one of the funner ones I had. Andre Ether was another one because the fans were just the whole fifty five thousand people in the stadium would swell as one as, as as the words were coming out of my mouth and and I thought you know for just a brief second maybe they maybe they were enjoying what I was saying you know but really they're cheering for their heroes and and uh, you know we kind of PA announcers kind of get a little vicarious uh, pleasure out of that. Uh, to be to be able to have the honor to introduce these guys, uh, yeah. these great players that that uh, that play on the stage with so much scrutiny and uh, so many numbers and things, but they show up every day and they they do the job and it's uh, it's really quite something to to watch every day. And that's one of the the big things I've taken away as a PA announcer to sit there and watch these amazing athletes do what they do. Baseball is one of the hardest games, I believe, in my opinion, and. Uh, and guys that are able to stay steady and, and, and be productive on a consistent basis over time and to watch how they approach the game, how they warm up, how they stretch out before and how they perform in the big moments. It's, it's just a, it's just a, a thrill. And I, I don't know that I'll ever get tired of it. Well, touching greatness is also going to be the name of my book, but since it's the name of this podcast, it's not only sports, it's mostly sports, but there's going to be some music in there as well. And you guys are both interested in music per se. Paul plays the guitar. Todd, you are a singer. Let's talk about that. Uh, Olden, I want to hear about your guitar playing, and when are you going to play the national anthem? Because Todd's already sung it. Well, you're not the only one who's asking that question. Uh, uh, Bernie Williams, our former longtime center fielder for the Yankees, who's now an accomplished touring musician, has also uh, been after me. Hey, let's play a duet together. Let's That'd be do great. Together. Uh, which makes me very nervous. Because uh, <laughs> uh, I don't play as, as often or as uh, diligently as I did uh, uh, 10 years ago. Uh, I still, um, uh, in fact, uh, I just broke out my guitar that I kept here in this apartment over the winter. Although I wasn't uh, guaranteed that I would be back here, I kind of had an idea I would, and I left one of my guitars here. And as you know, Ted, I have guitars all over the country. Yes, we know. I uh, so, he has a guitar in every port for anybody who's interested. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, you have to. You got to keep your chops up uh, no matter where you go. Uh, but uh, playing music and and, and getting involved uh, uh, in in that part of of, of entertainment uh, kind of takes a little edge off of. Uh, of the evening when you go because we go to the ballpark and we're there at, at uh, three, four in the afternoon and all the way to 11 o'clock. And then you get home and you want to unwind. And, and I know for Todd, uh, singing has been a, a major part of his career. and still is and, and playing guitar. Because as hot as I'm not mistaken, you still do the uh, rock and roll marathon, uh, mile 13 uh, music breaks for those, uh, those running events for the rock and roll marathon uh, uh, events. Yeah, we just played the L.A. Marathon yesterday. Wow. Uh-huh. It was our 14th consecutive L.A. Marathon, and uh, we were at uh, mile 25, as we have been for the past 10 years, um, at Ocean and San Vicente in Los Angeles. For those of you who know the area, it's a beautiful place where San Vicente comes right down to the bluffs of the ocean, and you look over the ocean, so the runners come down, and they take that, that final turn as they, they make their one mile, final mile kick to the finish line, which is at the Santa Monica Pier. And we just get such a thrill out of uh, playing our music and uh, giving, giving the runners a little extra spring in their step when many of them are, are you know, 
at now 25, you just, you just, you know, you're maybe maybe you broke through the wall, but you're still you're still suffering. We see people coming through there; they can't even see straight. Other people are gliding through as if they've just, you know, they just started running. And Paul, as a runner, you know, I'm sure you have a, a playlist that you listen to every every night when you up for your run. Um, I'm sure you, that's a, a big part of, of what keeps you going. So we 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 take pride in being able to kind of cheer on the runners, give them a beat, give them something to kind of uh, hear. You know, a lot of them tell us they can hear us from you know uh, half a mile or more away, and as they they're just waiting as they come down, everybody's giving thumbs up and peace signs and the shaka bra and all that stuff. And uh, <laughs> uh, it's 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 one of my favorite uh, gigs of the year because. You know, I get to kind of play a cheerleader. I get to watch these amazing athletes in, in action. Uh, watching these elite runners, um, you know, that are running five-minute miles for 26 miles. And, and my even the time is, is, is what I uh, ask him every year when uh, you're going to pull the double at Dodger Stadium <laughs> and introduce yourself to sing the national anthem. Is that going to happen? Uh, allow myself to introduce me to uh, <laughs> the national anthem. Uh, I would love. I've, I've kind of always dreamed about doing the the seventh inning stretch one time, a la Harry Carey. But you know, Dodgers are very traditional. I don't know that they'll ever allow that to happen. But that was kind of one of my things. Where I was like, I'd love now to you, grab the you, mic you, and start singing along with Dieter Rule, our organist. You've sung the national anthem how many times at a major league stadium? Oh, geez, Paul. Uh, I'm thinking. Yeah, I, my first time was at at Fenway Park. I was I was a member of the uh, 2004 fantasy camp, and I know you do stuff for Yankees fantasy camp, which is such a great experience. Any baseball fans out there who uh, love a team, love a group of players, I encourage you to throw down the bucks once in your life and go down and play some baseball, uh, major league style, at a spring training facility for one of your favorite baseball teams. It is so much fun, and so I had the opportunity to go back on fantasy camp at Fenway Park and sing the national anthem in my fantasy camp Boston Red Sox uniform, and that was such a thrill to do that. And from then, I, I went and I sang to the Angels and sang to the Dodgers about twice a year for about five or six years or so until I got until I got the gig as the PA announcer and, and haven't uh, haven't sung it except for the Lakers. I'm doing the Lakers a couple times, and uh, um, so that's the last. Uh, Big time national anthem I sang. Okay, let's remind. I just want to remind everybody, Todd, that uh, you're listening to Touching Greatness. Todd Lights, the voice of Dodger Stadium. Paul Olden, the voice of Yankee Stadium. And I'm still waiting for answers out of both of you about the anthem at your stadium. Paul, you you jumped aside from that, and Todd, you said, well, maybe the seventh inning stretch. What about it? Uh, I'm first, happy, first, first of all, Paul. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll do. I have to tell you, man. I have to tell you, Paul. If you yeah. play a duet with Bernie Williams, he will cover any of your mistakes. Exactly. You can just stand there and look cool. All right. Yeah. So I would, if I would do that in a second, if I were you. Well, I'm ha- I'm haunted by the the vision uh, recently of uh, three weeks ago when a very well known uh, singer uh, forgot the words of uh, the national anthem towards the end of the song. Uh, in Tampa, uh, and I just envisioned myself maybe falling down that, that same rabbit hole. <laughs> you, you, you don't have to sing, and you know the song, so I think you're okay. <laughs> uh, let's hope he doesn't have to sing, right, Todd? 
well, I don't know. I've never heard of Paul Singer. <laughs> I've heard of Paul Singer. Well, okay. I, was, I was singing when I did my open mics in, in Tampa, yeah. uh, but I kind of let the, the singing chops uh, go by the wayside, uh, as well as my guitar uh, abilities. Uh, but if I give me another five years to kind of five get years? back on the board, yeah, it'll take me that long to uh, to hit the high notes. Wow. <laughs> well, good luck with that. Hey, actually, actually, Ted, I'm going to be singing the national anthem for the Los Angeles Fire Department's Leadership Academy graduation on the morning of opening day for the Dodgers, which is Thursday. So oh. I'll, I'll I'll go down to the the LAFD training academy and and sing the anthem and then and then hoof it right up to Dodger Stadium from there. So. So in a sense, you know, I'll be singing the anthem on that on opening day. Okay. Does that satisfy you? In a sense, yes. It does satisfy me in a sense. All right. Guys, I want to know your most memorable moments on the job at your stadiums. Uh, well, it has to be 2009, that whole season, especially after the slow start, uh, which did not give us any indication that it would end up being a world championship season. Uh, I think uh, uh, just being at the PA uh, Mike for the, the end of the World Series and watching the, the championship uh, celebration on the field uh, ranks right up there for, for me in that regard. And you, Todd? First of all, Paul, that's, that's awesome. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm really, really jealous. But um, <laughs> I have to say that probably my most memorable game at Dodger Stadium was Vince Scully's last game. Uh, the National League West was on the line, and Charlie Culberson hit a home run to win the game in Vin's last game. And the just the packed stadium, the, the outpouring of love, the, the feeling that you could feel, it was almost like the Dodgers had just won the World Series. Um, it, it was just the gratitude between the fans and from Vin and from the team up to Vin. Uh, it was just a. It was such a beautiful moment, and it just uh, it just showed that that you know uh, the improbability of of Vin's incredibly long tenure. Um, you know, the impossible happened that day, and I'm kind of kind of paraphrasing a Vin call on uh, <laughs> on uh, Kirk Gibson's homer there. Um, but it was it was just a, a really beautiful moment that it, it was almost like the gods of baseball were smiling on Vin Scully that day to say, "Hey, man." In your final game at Dodger Stadium, you're going to win. And it's going to be a Dodger victory, and the sun will shine. And uh, in, in typical Vin fashion, he said, you, the crowd, have given me so much more. I needed you so much more than you needed me. And uh, it was such a beautiful moment. I have to say that was one of my most memorable. And the other one was the 18-inning World Series game against the Red Sox last year. Yeah, where I wasn't crazy. allowed to pee for uh, eight and a half hours. <laughs> oh, and, uh, uh, you know, I don't mean to be indelicate, Teddy, but no, it's I, okay. that's a PA announcer's thing. Um, I'm not sure how they do it at Yankee Stadium, but once I sit down in my spot, I don't get to leave. And so I got to hold my water, and it's um, it can be difficult. So uh, no, you know what? When you write that me. story, Todd, in your book, you need to call that they took the pee out of PA. <laughs> what do you think? Oh. I like it. I okay, like it. That's That'll good. be a chapter. I'm not going to title the book that, though, but a uh, <laughs> chapter. Maybe. By the way, Paul, you must have felt some of what Vin, that whole story, even though you were far away at the time, uh, just living all these years in L.A., knowing Vin as well as you do, just having the feeling of what was going on from a dramatic standpoint to end his career here. 
yeah, yeah, it was it was great to to be able, especially these days with the um, Major League Baseball uh, app. Uh, you know, I could tune into any game I wanted to and hear of any doing the play-by-play. Uh, if I missed the game, they would have 10, 12 highlights, video clips uh, to listen to what he had to say and how he said it. Uh, and so I didn't miss a moment of that. I, I was really uh, fortunate that uh, the things were developed in, along the digital realm uh, that uh, it was almost as if I was able to be there in person. And by the way, Paul Olden, the voice of Yankee Stadium, also used to do it at the old stadium. The I guess you can call it the rebuilt house that Ruth built, right? Would that be right? Or well, the, the, the yeah, the rebuilt house that Ruth built. But uh, you know, but I was doing I was doing TV play by play then uh, in the nineties. I, right. I wasn't doing the PA because right. Bob was Bob was still there. But that's where uh, I got to know him initially, and we. Uh, uh, I think that helped the transition for me uh, to come in as uh, the fellow who was hired to be his permanent replacement because I, I had known him. Uh, we were friends. Uh, it wasn't as if I was kind of looking up at, at, at someone in awe and saying, oh, my gosh, I have to replace the Bob Shepard. Uh, uh, yeah, I knew the guy. We used to have dinner together all the time in the old uh, press room at the, the previous Yankee Stadium. Uh, and so, and then even after I took over, uh, we still talked on the phone uh, monthly uh, until he passed. Uh, and and I still talk with his widow, uh, Mary, about once a month just to kind of keep that continuity going with nice. the Shepherd family to this day. Very nice. Couple more things. Uh, Todd Light's your favorite uh, baseball player growing up. Ooh, that's a tough one. Uh, but it would have to be. I would say that it was Carl Yastrzemski mm-hmm. and Ted Williams. And uh, Ted Williams was long retired, but I was a, uh, he was one of my heroes. Um, and I went to Ted Williams baseball camp when I was growing up in Massachusetts. Nice. For, I think four summers, and they taught me how to play baseball there. And it was, it was wonderful. It was like going to spring training uh, every summer. You, you know, you'd, you'd stay overnight. You'd, you'd, you'd go in the clubhouse. You'd play several games a day. Uh, you'd learn how to slide. You'd, you know, you'd learn the fundamentals of baseball. And, and then Teddy Ballgame would show up at the end of the session, and he would come and meet all the players and stuff. And he was, I think, probably in his maybe 50s then. Oh, that's not so bad. He, Did he give know, you his time, too? He, well, you know, I was just a kid, so I was too afraid to kind of come up to him. But I did I did meet him a few times. And, and you know, I, I, wasn't as, uh, I wasn't as assertive as I am today. So I just kind of... But I was I was in awe of uh, Ted Williams. I read his book, and and uh, he was my hero growing up. But but uh, Carl Yastrzemski and Freddie Lynn for the, the Boston Red Sox back in the seventies were two of my favorite guys uh, growing up. And Paul Olden, being a Yankee guy now, uh, if you grew up seventy five years ago, your favorite player probably would have been Babe Ruth because he wore number three. But since you grew up in L A., it was the other three dog. Yeah, yeah, Willie Davis. Although. Uh, I was a big uh, New York sports fan, even though I grew up in L.A. Uh, if you go by the number of uh, New York-related sports books that I checked out of uh, libraries there in Los Angeles and, and somehow never returned, uh, yeah. I, still, I still have a few of those books, the Phil Rizzuto book, I still have the Ray Holtzman book, uh, I still have uh, one of the um, uh, Joe Namath books. 
so I was a big sport, New York sports fan, even growing up in L.A., uh, rooting for the Dodgers. Uh, but Willie Davis was my favorite all-time Dodger. And Don Sutton, as you well know, yes. is also a favorite, uh, only because I got a chance to really know him because when I sold programs there at Dodger Stadium, uh, I had a buddy who was a pretty assertive guy and wanted to play baseball and learn baseball, and uh, he somehow talked his way into the Dodger bullpen hours before <laughs> the gates would open, and uh, he wanted to be a pitcher, and he befriended Don Sutton, and so I was his personal catcher, and so oh, we wow. went into the Dodger. We went into the Dodger bullpen hours before a game. <laughs> I was wearing no equipment. I was just playing that got into the squad and Don was breaking off curve balls all over the place. And it was a big thrill in that regard. And that's where I really got to know Don Sutton doing that. Uh, of course, these days, uh, insurance, uh, a liability being what it is, that would not happen. Uh, but things were a little bit looser in, in the in the 60s and 70s at Dodger Stadium in that regard. That's for sure. I got some fun <laughs> stories in my book coming up on that. But by the way, Todd, did you know that uh, Paul wears a cup in the booth but didn't wear one in the bullpen, which is unbelievable? <laughs> so I have a cup in the booth. Oh, I'm that's wearing. what it is. A cup of tea, I think, is what that is. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Got to keep the voice in good shape during the game. <laughs> yeah, don't hurt yourself. Absolutely don't hurt yourself up there. <laughs> well, last thing, uh, starting the season, let's get a little preview of your teams. What do you think, Todd Lights at Dodger Stadium? I feel good about this season. Um, the management, Dave Roberts, Andrew Friedman, they all feel like this team is actually a better team than the last two years' teams who – won the National League and got to the World Series. Uh, they're hoping for more consistency out of these guys offensively, so we won't see so many, you know, feast or famine nights as we did last year at Dodger Stadium. Um, and uh, I'm really feeling good about uh, the depth of our pitching staff. Uh, I'm hopeful that Clayton Kershaw uh, still has some bullets left in the in the chambers, and, uh, and you know, I'm really looking forward to seeing these young guns Walker Buehler and Julio Urias uh, really emerge as aces uh, this year. And, and it looks like Urias, because of injuries, is going to get an opportunity to, to begin the season as part of the rotation. So, um, you know, the, the veteran leadership, uh, they didn't add any flashy free agents or expensive people like Bryce Harper or, uh, or pay Manny Machado, who, or as I'm concerned, it's like, you know, Padres can have him. Um <laughs> Not to take a shot at Manny because he really helped us get to the World Series and he did a great job filling in for Corey Seager. But uh, um, I'm so happy to see Corey healthy again, and yeah. I really want to see Kenley Jansen become uh, or regain the Kenley Jansen form uh, that uh, that made him one of the premier closers in the league. So I'm, I'm feeling really good about this year. I know how hard it is. I don't think uh, anybody won a World Series after being beaten. Um, in two straight World Series since the 1920 fall, 27 Yankees uh, did it uh, years ago. They they did it, so it can be done. And I think uh, the Dodgers are, are are poised. And how about a Dodgers Yankees World Series? Guys? Now you're what talking. That? That'd be great. What yeah. what about your team, Paul? What about Yankee Stadium this year? Well, uh, the things are are in a state of uh, uncertainty at the beginning because we're we're down three of our frontline players to begin the season. Uh, the shortstop, D.D. Gregorius, uh, the center fielder, Aaron Hicks, and the starting pitcher, Luis Severino, are all on the injured list. We're not supposed to say disabled list anymore. So it's the injured list. 
Uh, Who started that, very, by the way? Uh, Major League Baseball. Really? Uh, okay. Yeah. Um, uh, so the, the timetable for their return varies, uh, but we're looking to be back at full strength, maybe around the all-star break. Uh, so if they can hold their own until then, uh, I think it'll be another competitive American League East, but, uh, Boston is going to be hard to beat. Uh, and that, that, as far as our injury wave is concerned, uh, if we can recover from that and, and hang close. Uh, it's it's anybody's division, I think. Last thing, do you guys feel a home field advantage stronger at your stadiums than most because of the tradition? Uh, I think that boils down to the type of players we have. If they're really good players, yes. If they're uh, average guys, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the same as basketball, right? Where an energy thing's not going to necessarily make you play better. Yeah. Uh, well, it, it always helps, it and, helps. and we're fortunate that both uh, Todd and I uh, to be working at places that uh, almost plays to capacity almost every night. Uh, so we always have a big crowd in the stadium, uh, unlike some uh, teams around Major League Baseball where it's intermittent. Uh, so that helps in that regard. And the mystique of Yankee Stadium also plays I think a role in the uh, psychologically against the uh, the visiting players for a while. Yeah. How about you, Todd? And I believe that uh, our team at Dodger Stadium, um, our our DJ, our uh, sound engineer, our organist, uh, hopefully me, and and our our Dodger Vision crew create a, uh, an, an atmosphere that uh, it just creates a lot of energy in the stadium. Uh, some people find it uh, a little too much, but uh, um, I really feel like we are the home field advantage. That's what I always tell my crew when we're up there. It's like, hey, but you know, we can't control what's going on on the field, but we can get this crowd going, and we can uh, really get these players excited. And all the players say that they just love playing at Dodger Stadium, just because they feel just they they're just they they feel the energy there. And, and to me, that's that's that we've done our job. If the players, if the players get jazzed and, and they feel like the crowd is behind them, it just gives them that little extra, little extra incentive to do something magical on any given night. That's what's so great about baseball. Um, it's the best reality TV show out there because you know you never know what's going to happen and you have to play the season out. And uh, I really look forward to the 2019 season. Man, I'm starting tomorrow at uh, Dodger Stadium against the Angels in our final preseason game of the year in the freeway series. So it's on, Paul, and I, I can't wait to uh, see the Yankees come to town in August. Yeah, August. I'll be there. Yeah, he's going to well, try and steal your job, Todd. <laughs> By the way, there is sort of a public address announcer's fraternity, isn't there? Yes, I believe there is. And, you know, I, I really um, value Paul's friendship. And the advice he's given me in my first couple of years, you know, little things like social media stuff, like you know, just, you know, be careful what you say and, yeah. and how you report on the ball game uh, uh, in your social media. Um, and he's he's been a very valuable resource to me. And and I have, uh, you know, I, I know the the Padres uh, PA announcer and the Chicago Cubs PA announcer and and, and a couple other. Uh, minor league PA announcers around the league, and, and you know there there is a fraternity. There's a group of uh, PA announcers uh, on social media that that share information and so forth, and 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 there's a very collegial atmosphere because you know there's not a lot of us out there. Yeah, yeah, 
yeah, the 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 Facebook, the social media, uh, Facebook pages and Instagram pages for BA announcers is pretty well uh, uh, developed and energized. And and uh, what uh, gives me some satisfaction is when uh, I kind of mentor some young PA announcers, and there are a couple of guys in New York here who are in their teens, but who, uh, for whatever reasons, want to be a PA announcer in a major league stadium. You know, a lot of the times the, the job kind of falls to, uh, uh, in my case, uh, after a long career doing play-by-play, uh, it, uh, and you, it's, it's not as if it's a, a secondary job, uh, but it becomes a, a position where you kind of settle in, and after all the years of traveling, it becomes something that you really admire and appreciate uh, because you don't have to go on the road and you don't have to pack up every two weeks to 10 days, 10 days to two weeks to go on a road trip. Uh, and that uh, kind of helps to energize you. And, and as I said, my predecessor lasted 57 years. I don't know if I'm going to do that um, for 57 years, but the the idea that it can be done, uh, and I'm sure Todd will agree, uh, this is a job that we can keep for a long time. Let's hope so. That's the plan. That's how, by the way, uh, I just did get a call from... Uh, somebody from they said they're at the L.A. Library. Paul, you owe thousands of dollars in late penalties. So you better get out of here. I still have the books, and most of them have been autographed by the authors now. So those books are worth some uh, oh, pretty pennies. That's good. So you could sell it and then pay for the fees. Yes, absolutely. That's beautiful. Guys, great time. I really enjoyed this. Paul Olden, the voice of Yankee Stadium. Todd Lights, the voice of Dodger Stadium. It's been a blast. Thank you, Ted. All right, all the best, guys. Go Dodgers. Believe it or not, that concludes our first Touching Greatness podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. I hope you enjoyed our visit with the voices of Yankee and Dodger Stadium, and we'll talk to you again next week when it's time for more of Touching Greatness. Until then, I'm still Ted Sobel, and thanks for listening. And don't forget to check out my Twitter and Instagram post at Ted Sobel Sports and our new Touching Greatness Facebook page, which will be coming shortly. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.